Welcome to Holy Smoke, the Spectator's religion podcast. I'm Damien Thompson. I'm often asked about the signature tune for this podcast. It's the jig from Bach's sixth keyboard partita, played by the wonderful James Rhodes. You can buy it on Signum Classics. Bach is the subject of today's podcast. 2017 was the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. No cause for rejoicing, I'd say, except that it gave us, well, Johann Sebastian Bach. Here, celebrating the Reformation with a mighty fortress of a movement based on Luther's hymn tune. My guest today is Selma Lovell, an independent scholar whose book, A Mirror to the Human Condition, Music, Language and Meaning in the Sacred Cantatas of J.S. Bach, offers a dazzling analysis of Bach's cantatas. She explains how, in the hands of this genius, music and words come together to convey a powerful, profound theological message. In the process, she captures the man and his panoramic achievement. The Bach cantata is an explicitly Christian creation, isn't yes. it? Yes. You know, it carries an explicitly it it, Christian it, it, message. It, it does, and we have to get across that barrier. If we're to listen to the music and get full value from the music, we do have to cross the barrier of the texts. Which can embarrass some people. There's a sort of cultural cringe, isn't there? Because these are explicitly Christian messages, yes. a lot of liberal and enlightened and sophisticated people find that kind of they do. difficult, they, embarrassing. Uh, yes, and it's actually rather ironic when you consider that Christian values have actually become incorporated into the mainstream of Western liberal values. They've sort of boomeranged back on themselves. They're taken for granted, but they're treated as some sort of, well, the explicit ex- uh, expression of Christianity is treated as some sort of drooling, whiffy old granddad yeah. that we don't want to be associated exactly. with. Let's just tackle the centrality of the Christian message to this amazing music. And I think the message of your, your book is that ultimately the music and the message are inextricable. You, you can appreciate them at a very deep level, even if you're not a Christian, but ultimately they're inextricable. I would say in all sorts of ways, the music is the message, except, of course, there are, there's more than one message. The fundamental message is what is the place of the human in the, of the individual life of the human in the cosmic scheme of things. In fact, is there a cosmic scheme of things? How do we reconcile the individual with the community? And above all, how do we live and how do we die? How do we live and how do we die? 
These are very deep and rather frightening questions. To the casual listener, you don't immediately pick this up, particularly if you don't speak German, from listening to the music itself. You've described Bach's cantatas beautifully, I think, as well, you've, you've drawn attention to their overwhelming sense of life, an absolute feast of colour, emotion, rhythmic drive, lyricism, technical daring and rhetorical energy. Bach was a musical omnivore, you say. That's for sure. You make the very good point that he was only able to express so much because he'd acquired a supreme level of skill through sheer industry. Yes, and this is another important message of this kind of music, is that there is no opposition between technique and emotion. The authentic self is the whole self. This business of what's real, what's studied, or what's instinctive and genuine, is a kind of artificial distinction, which I think has arisen later. And the wonderful thing about Bach is that all that artificial tension is reconciled. So Bach is very different from the Romantics, isn't he? And he's very different from Enlightenment or 19th century Romantic thinking. He is. And here's a link between Bach and Luther, actually. Luther represents or kickstarts a revolution, the revolution of the individual conscience against authority. Bach is at the cusp of the early modern and the modern, appearing at a time at the beginning of the 18th century when the Enlightenment was yapping at the heels of religious belief. You've helped me understand the cantatas, of which there's over 200 and heartbreakingly heartbreakingly quite a large number lost. Because he actually wrote five annual cycles so an awful lot have disappeared unfortunately. Mind you we we talk about what a tragedy it is that they've disappeared but actually how often do we listen to the ones that do exist? I mean Bach is the one truly great composer, one of the greatest, possibly the greatest composer of all time and you can still hear a piece of music and realise that you're listening to a piece of first rate Bach for the first time and it's probably going to be something from the cantatas because they are so neglected. And one, I think one of the reasons they're neglected is they're so tied in to what people see as a rather frightening or stern and unbending Lutheran message. But what you've helped me understand them by, by saying that every cantata is a small-scale drama with its, it, its own narrative of, of human turmoil and crisis. There's no visual show, but there's a, there's a plot with its own architecture, a cliffhanger. You said. Could you yeah, unpack yeah. that? Well, first of all, let's unpick this Lutheran message. There's a whole swathe of it which is perfectly acceptable to any vaguely ethical community. There's the idea that we should respect and care for other people, that we should share our goods with the less fortunate, that we shouldn't attach too much importance to worldly status, that our bodies and and so much of what happens in the material world is ephemeral, evanescent, that there are values beyond the transient and the present. What's wrong with that? What, what's difficult about that, I would say? And all, all, all of which actually is rather attractive to the modern sensibility, isn't it? But, Absolutely. But then, then there are other elements. For example, the theology of the cantatas exhorts people to do their duty and cooperate with the civil and political structure. Well, of course, that can be taken too far, just as the revolutionary impulse can be taken too far. And 
I think one of the secrets of Bach's appeal is that somehow his music seems to reconcile the individual with the group. His counterpoint, for instance, counterpoint, which is a question of multiple voices singing together in a way that weaves together both horizontally and vertically, that acts as a kind of musical metaphor of a world in which everyone has their own individual voice, but it all comes together as a whole. And this is the kind of magic of Bach's supreme counterpoint. The magic, however, can, I won't say turn into black magic, but it has a very dark side when Bach addresses the question of evil, which he tends to address through images of the devil. And they're images of the devil contained in the text, but also very brilliantly conveyed in the music. Yes. There's a the, dark twist. Though, yes, yes. Twi- in the cantatas, if you think of them as dramas, there are two main persons in the drama, and they tend to be the soul, that is to say the suffering, doubting individual, and the figure of Christ, who whose role is to reassure the individual. Christ and the... The triune God, that's to say Christ, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, they are the guarantors of an ordered cosmos. And within that ordered cosmos, an ordered civil life is possible under human government. An ideal, perhaps, but one that we might all aspire to. Now, the devil represents whatever is going to create disorder, pain, destruction, war, disease... And he's, although he doesn't appear as a speaking character in the cantatas, he's represented musically by an implied threat to Bach's tonal harmonic system. So you get the scrunch of dissonance, you get the, the, uh, the chord, sorry to be technical here, you get the chord of the diminished seventh, which appears to make your harmonic basis appear fluid and unstable. Which, is, as you say, it's technical language, but actually when you hear it, you, you, know, you know what's going on. Something, something unsettling has yes. entered the musical texture. Ex- exactly. The marvellous thing about Bach is the way that he can do justice to all sorts of threats, the threat of, of dissolution, and yet present his own musical cosmos in which everything is healed. One of the rather lovely things you've said is that in the world view expressed in the cantatas, people are allowed to be old. They aren't expected to run marathons, to go hang gliding or or climb Everest in their underpants, and they're definitely not encouraged to cling on to power. Yes, I think that's something that certain people need to remember. (laughs) Yes. The attitude towards death 
is perhaps alien to a modern sensibility, but at the same time, it's terribly realistic in that we are encouraged to accept the inevitability of our own mortality. To some extent, of course, this can be a little bit much in that certain cantatas carry texts which express a positive joy at the idea of death. However, Which I must say, I personally do find rather creepy. But when I do yeah. follow the libretto and hear what's being said, either it's hard to identify with or I'd rather not identify with it because it's just I too uncomfortable. F- I, fully, I fully agree with that. But at least I personally have some respect for the cantatas, for the mentality of the cantatas, let's say, for facing the idea of death head on. And here's the crucial point about Christian belief, which is alien to modern thinking. And that is the idea that if we believe in it, we will have eternal life. But somebody somebody hearing you say that might assume that you're writing from a religious point of view yourself. Actually, you're not. No, I'm not writing from, from a religious point of view myself. But what I like about the music of the cantatas, no, I would say what I love about the music of the cantatas, about Bach's music in particular, is that it seems to embrace the whole of life now. Contrary to the current cliché, life in the cantatas actually is a dress rehearsal. It's a dress rehearsal for the individual's most impressive performance when that individual steps onto the stage of heaven. And what this means is that we have to try extra hard to make the most of life now because doing our best is a way of expressing faith, of showing that we are working towards something beyond the human. So doing your best is a tremendously Lutheran idea, a a Lutheran obligation, but it, it means that we're actually going to make the most of life. Now, if you take Bach, yes, a person who worked tremendously hard to learn his craft, but he adored his craft. His music was him, and he was living life to the full. And the music of the cantatas, with all its variety, is a way, is an aesthetic expression of living life to the max. I think you put it beautifully. I hope you will also give me permission just sometimes to sit back. Unlike you, I don't speak German. Just sit back and enjoy the music. Well, of course. That, that, well, that's the point. You, know, you, can, you can listen to Bach's music. You can listen to any music any way you want. But all I'm saying is that in its, its energy and its variety, it contains multitudes. Now, you don't have to follow the words to, to, to receive that kind of exhilaration. But I actually think that knowing what the words are about is useful. It does sort of enhance your response to the music in that you know where Bach is coming from and where he's going to. And here's another thing about Bach. He's cool. He was never in fashion, and so he's never out of fashion. He helps himself to any musical style that he feels like using, that, that is suggested to him by the words. I mean, there's absolutely no sense of the current horror of cultural appropriation. If he feels like some... Good point. 
If he feels like using a French style overture with its kind of formal dotted rhythms, he does it. It's useful for expressing the majesty of God. If he feels like using an Italianate concerto style with all its brilliance and bustle, he does it. If he wants to use the kind of formal Lutheran motet style of the 17th century, no problem. And not only that, he can go all the way back to plain song melody. And all this suggests a world of unbounded time. And that in itself is a kind of musical metaphor for the divine. He runs the whole gamut from the solemn the tragic, the dance-like, the exuberant, the crazy harmonic clashes. He can do anything. And I would say, above all, joy. That's the thing. It's joy. It's the sheer joy of being at the top of your game. Bach at his most astonishing, though you may have noticed, not Bach at his most Protestant. It's from the B minor Mass. Tell my level, thank you very much. <laughs>